breaking down the biggest stories in the world of horse racing. This is At The Races with Steve Bick on Sirius XM Radio. us i uh, got the opportunity uh to bring rick waltman i've been talking about rick all week because of the presence of resilience in the risen star and you know normally uh and over the years when rick would come on it would be to talk about Stormcat. it's got to be exciting to be in a a stake race of this caliber and to have somebody bring you on rick to talk about something other than Stormcat. good morning Good morning, Steve. Uh, it is fun, and uh, we over the years we did do a lot of talking about Stormcat, uh, and um, and not it's not that ironic because Stormcat's blood is so prolific. Uh, there is some Stormcat in resilience through into mischief. Well, you and I were talking off air, and uh, you know the Y gods uh, who you know long have had uh, Bill Mott, uh, among others, uh, handle horses. And, I, you know, I asked you about Emily Bushnell because I was curious about the partnership. And uh, there's, a, there's an obvious connection. I mean, talk about getting, you know, getting this horse uh, in your involvement and Emily and give everybody the backstory. Well, I have been uh, working with Marty, for Marty and with Marty, um for 30 years and um so emily is uh marty's daughter and i've uh, known emily since she was she was a, a young child um and um the uh the working relationship that i've had with marty has uh, developed into a, a close friendship we uh we talk nearly every day we've been since covid or before covid We've talked mostly every day, um, and we've gotten to know each other very well. And and I consider Marty a extremely close friend of mine. The horse had started the career at Saratoga, and I made I've made the point, and we'll talk later with Jeff Franklin from Thoroughgraph as we look at the Risen Star. And it was pretty apparent that. Uh, that Bill felt distance was going to be necessary for him, and it took four starts to break his maiden. And you, you and Emily, kind of came into the picture, you know, after a hand, after what three of the starts? Uh, yes, yes. I'm doing all this from memory, but I, I can run and uh, mm-hmm. and refer to the PPs to confirm everything. But I've, I, needless to say, I've looked at him. So often in the last few days, I think I know them. I love it. Uh, well, and, it, you know, I, I I can't, I don't think I can remember seeing, you know, your name on the ownership line over the years. Uh, how many how many horses have, have you ever run? Well, I got I to gotta tell you, Steve, I thought about this. Uh, I've, I've run very few. I'm uh, typically risk averse. 
uh, in, in, by nature. So, um, it, uh, it just seemed more financially fruitful for me to advise people with their money than to throw in my own. But, um, years ago when I started, uh, I had been the business manager of Barry Jones's farm. Um, and I, uh, when I decided to go out on my own and start my consulting business in the early 80s. I also dabbled with horses with my very close friend, Fred Sykes. So we had a filly, and I think if you go back in the early 80s, you'd probably find her. Her name was Bet Bigger. And I think she was by a nondescript stallion called Court Open. I'm, I'm Again, I'm doing all this from memory. Oh, you're right. And um, uh, we... Uh, we had we somehow we acquired some broodmares together, and and her dam was Majesticosis, and she was in that in that group. Um, and Sonny Hine trained a really good uh, colt. I think he was by distinctive name Bet Big. Sure. And um, I think Bet Big might have been unfortunate to be in the same generation as Copeland, but I, I forget. Exactly that. Um, so anyway, we, we acquired this filly as well, and we named her Bet Bigger. And she won, I'm, I'm thinking a short story long, she won a um, a uh, $10,000 stakes race at, at uh, Latonia then. Uh, I think it was the Mike Charmer, but it was one of that series of, uh, of Philly uh, sprints. And I think she paid like $90. It was an astounding thing. <laughs> And um, so, you know, I, I go back that far, but the racing license uh, process has changed quite a bit for the better, I might add, uh, since I last had a racing license. So I had to educate myself on 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 the process of that um, when we uh, when we uh, took uh, acquired uh, resilience. I, there, there's a few things I've got to ask about this. I mean, one thing that 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 jumps out at me, and you mentioned uh, the late uh, Barry Jones. Uh, as it happens, uh, you know, when we had when we had the uh, the tribute show uh, for the governor, uh, I, I failed to reach you. I, Bill Landis said, uh, you know, when I talked to Bill about about some options, uh, you know, to to fill out a roster. I mean, not that. Not, you know, not that people were hard to find to come on to pay tribute, but uh, you you were on that list, and we didn't connect. But I see Midway Stud uh, as you know listed, and, and that's a name uh, I think right that predates Airdrie. Uh, right, or, yeah, or I think it might have been during that time. But I just trying to come up with a name. I'm not even sure if it was required to be registered. I know I didn't do anything <laughs> like that. But that was kind of the uh, nom de course of uh, of Rick Walton back then. I Midway stud because I lived in Midway. I lived on the farm, and uh, so. But certainly not to depict me as a stud. Just it was just a everything. All farms were studs, you know. Uh, sure. Well, Airdrie, Airdrie stud. Uh, the um, this horse uh, is a, is an into mischief and uh, out of uh, a smart strike mare. And, and as we, I've said all week, I, I'm using, I'm definitely using him uh, uh, on Saturday. Uh, he, he, you can just tell that Bill thought he needed, uh, he was going to need a route of ground, and you know, feels like he's, you know, poised to 
to take a step forward? Well, it's, um, you know, if you have a horse that belongs, you're foolish not to run him in these races. I'm, 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 I'm not fooling myself to think, hey, I've got a derby winner, but hey, maybe I've got a derby, a derby horse. Um, and um, he's, his profile sets up well. I like horses with foundations and four races at a mile or over coming into uh, a February Derby prep is a pretty good foundation for a horse who has a lot of stoutness in his family. Um, Bill uh, trained the two uh, grade one horses in the second dam for, uh, for Marty. And uh, they're the same sire line, the Stormcat sire line. They're both Stormcats and they were, they were top horses. Um, so it's, it's natural to think that stamina could be, uh, this colt could have enough stamina to, to uh, get the trip. Uh, I mean, that's part of the reason why we're running in the Risen Star and let's say not the Sam Davis or something that would have been closer to right. where he was training. Well, and uh, Meadowsweet, uh, the dam, uh, Smart Strike, and uh, you mentioned, you know, this Why God female family. Uh, this is this is a, a pretty pretty august family that includes uh, the second dam, Tranquility Lake, that got, among others, aftermarket, uh, and Courageous Cat. Uh, I mean, so it's a, you know, it's a stallion-making family and uh stormcat uh, stormcat uh got very familiar uh with tranquility lake rick yeah well um you know if something works you you keep plugging away at it and uh tranquility lake marty bought her as a yearling um marty had a uh a highly really talented uh farm manager that very few people knew named russell drake and he managed Marty's uh, operation in his farm in California. And Russell was as good a horseman as I've ever been around. Just nobody knew him. Russell wasn't flashy. He was just a solid, no, uh, no frills horseman. He liked a horse or he didn't like a horse. You know, there was just no equivocating with Russell. And Russell picked Tranquility Lake out. She was uh, much bigger than the typical Rahis. Um, and, um, this colt's a pretty good sized colt, uh, and there has to be somewhere through the, the pedigree that, that has to pass through. Well, and of course, Tranquility Lake, uh, a, a prolific, uh, stake winner, uh, amassed, well, the earnings were 1.6 million, 11 time winner. And, uh. That was when it was a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. That was that. Those are those are real dollars. Uh, right. The yellow ribbon and uh, the Santa Barbara, the Gamely, and you know all of those great uh, era. Uh, the Wilshire, she won the Wilshire handicap at Hollywood. Uh, you, you know who she reminds me of? Actually, looking at her record, uh, is uh, the horse of uh, McPeaks, uh, uh, Take Charge Lady, who amassed all kinds of stake wins, but couldn't get lucky in the Breeders' Cup. Right. Um, and, um, you know, Courageous Cat ran well in the Breeders' Cup. Um, I forget what aftermarket did, but um, uh, these are these are really top horses. Sure. And, um, and, and Marty was a real 
fan of Stormcat, and uh, Marty's an all-in kind of guy. Uh, there's no, I'll breed one mare to him, or I'll breed, maybe I'll breed a second mare. If Marty likes something and he thinks it's the best sire around, he wants to breed as many of his mares that fit well to go to him, which is why Marty had such success breeding to Stormcat over the years. And then Marty and Bill have had a, a good long-term uh, relationship. It, it, I, I knew we would end up morphing into this conversation uh, using Stormcat as the focal point. I, I you know, Rick, I, I, I'm sure you're watching with interest uh, any number of, of discussions and debates around the industry. <clears throat> and uh, I, I can flip, let me let me frame this first of all by asking you, uh, and there's been some distance since we talked when Stormcat passed, how, how do you think his legacy is viewed now? And in the in the discussion of uh, the number of starts, career starts horses are making, and, and the time between races, you and I referenced that Resilience, for instance, uh, has a very good look on the sheets, on, on, on both uh, Ragazin and, and Thoragraph, for instance, coming into this race. Uh, and, you know, sheet methodology has been frankly accused of, of being partly responsible for uh, you know the smaller number of career starts horses are making I'd love you to I'd love to get your observations on on where we are on this topic well I think uh, I mean I'm, I'm, I, as a purist and a traditionalist I'd, I'd love to see horses run like they did when I first got in the, the business you know over seven to ten days and we can argue why it is that they take more time between races, but I, more than anything, I'm a, I'm a fan of uh, of horse racing and breeding. And um, if giving them more time between races and trainers having the pa trainers and owners having the patience to wait that time uh, results in the best performance that that horse can give by giving him another week or two or three or whatever it is. To me, that's better for the breed. It's better for the sport. We can find out how good a horse really is. So Resilience has had, I think he will have had seven weeks between races. Um, you know, he's been in training for a lot of months. So he's in the right hands to, to make the most of this and not to squeeze the lemon dry uh, this far out. And I think uh, judging from what Bill has done with him, I think he, he fits Bill the kind of profile that Bill has with the horse perfectly. It, it, using Stormcat as, as, as maybe the, you know, the starting point, what, what's your impression of where we are uh, from a breeding standpoint and, and trends and, and direction? Uh, this is a topic uh, that even, even frankly, Stuart Janney was touching on uh, uh, this week. Um, any you know any thoughts that uh, that we've done we've done a disservice to the breed? Well, with the size of books, uh, clearly, I think we have. 
Um, but I don't know how you get out of it. I, I applaud the attempts to restrict the book sizes, but I guess it's, it's a restraint of trade, so I guess you can't do that. Uh, and you're certainly not going to get everybody to um, have a powwow and say, okay, let's do something to – let's make a decision to, to look long, long view toward improving the breed – and we will only breed these kind of, this number of mares. You're, you're not going to get that. Um, but it just it, logic just seems that if you bred fewer mares, you'd have more stallions injected into the blood, and um, the end result would would be a, a a more diverse breed, which it's it's not headed toward. You know, look at the standard bred industry. It's um, it's it's or the quarter horse industry. It's uh, we're not that extreme, but breeding larger than 150 or so book of mares is is um is moving in that direction which is unfortunate um when i uh, when i managed uh, the overbrook horses uh, mr young was very keen on breeding as many mares as he could cuz he was getting $500,000 a a foal for the stormcat foals and um but we had conservative management and we didn't breed. I think you could look back, but I think Stormcat never bred more than 118 mares. I think Cat Thief one year might have bred 130 mares. Uh, and these were horses that were pretty fertile and had libido. Um, but if they were breeding today, I guess they'd be breeding more mares. Um I don't know how it's done, but I guess I would I would find out if I were actively involved in that now. Interesting. Uh, in terms of the kind of influence, uh, I suppose uh, you know Tappet is on the back end, uh, the, the tail end of his. Uh, of, of his incredible uh, stallion career, into mischief is into mischief. It seems to me, Rick, is probably a, as akin to Stormcat in this era as as any horse has been since Stormcat. Yeah, he really is. I mean, I think the prototype is similar. Uh, they're precocious. Um, I, I, I remember when he um, when his first crop came out running. And I always like to go back and see what did I miss or did I miss anything? And I look back at his race record and I said to myself, well, sure, this horse could have made it. You know, he was precocious. I think he ran well in the Hollywood Futurity or the or uh, one of those um, uh, top uh, two-year-old races. Um, and then I realized that um, not that I would have having to do over again would have jumped on him when he was, I don't know, 7,500 or something like that. Um, but it was, it's easy to redboard and see that he was a, uh, he, he, he had the license to be a top stallion and who would have, who would have known that he would be as top of a stallion as he is. And I, I give a lot of credit, not because I'm partial, but I give a lot of credit to Stormcat because the whole prototype seems so similar. Well, and of course, uh, you know, the, the line, in fact, we just, this came up just yesterday, uh, in the conversation, uh, with Sid, with, you know, I do 
do the pedigree focus each week with uh, Sid Fernando. And we, we were right on this note uh, as it happens. And, uh, you know, and, uh, you, you look at Stormcat and Harlan and Harlan's Holiday and right. uh, there's there's Harlan uh, Overbrook, right? And, and Arthur Hancock, right, was, was a partner. That's right. In the That's right. We, we, we shared the horse together and I, I never liked him that much. I, again, I'm, I'm working from memory. I think he was kind of a come from behind sprinter and I was never that partial to come from behind spreaders, but obviously he he was good enough to sire Harlan's holiday, and unfortunately Harlan died, I think, of a heart attack earlier than he should have. And uh, um, Harlan's holiday, I, I wasn't. I think Todd Pletcher might have trained him, and he was a better horse. I think he he uh, might have been on the Derby Trail, um, and then I think. He, uh, I think Barry Jones started with him, um, and um, who would have known Harlan's Holiday then would have sired a stallion who's better than Harlan, better than Harlan's Holiday, and arguably in the same line with Stormcat, just not with the uh, international influence that Stormcat had. Well, and there, of course, there's there's another there's another weird uh, coincidence that I had never really noticed or or even was aware of. Uh, Stormcat's original uh, breeding line is is uh, under W. T. Young Storage Incorporated, and of course, uh, we we get to into mischief and B. Wayne Hughes with the storage right. company. That, that, that's crazy. I never thought about that, but that is a, that is an interesting coincidence. Uh, Stormcat, I think, was intended to be sold as a yearling and gosh I'm, my memory is terrible but we had an outbreak of of a virus and I can't tell you the name of it somebody will be able to tell you it was an acronym with letters and uh, they were treated like lepers at the sale and they had to be sold at the end of the sale and Mr. Young said well I'm not doing that um, he said I'll just keep him and race him and <laughs> the rest is history. But to say the least. Uh, and by the way, speaking of, of passings, uh, I, I you 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 could also, uh, if you want to take a second, actually, uh, and link uh, both Barry and and Jonathan uh, Shepard. Uh, yeah, yeah, golly, and I, I mean, obviously, I was close, really close to Barry, and um, I. Um, it uh, it just broke my heart all the way through his illness and um, and Jonathan I had the greatest respect for Jonathan his um, his wife Kathy sent um, a box of apples to Stormcat uh, every Christmas uh, they they she really she really liked Stormcat forget I mean the fact he was just a success probably made her like him more but uh, they. Uh, and they had a great relationship uh, with Mr. Young. Mr. Young has respect, and Jonathan, God, what a top horseman he was! Oh my lord, what a what a loss! Um, but he did things the right way. I've, I've got a great deal of respect of how he handled himself in the horse business, just both on the flats and and steeplechase horses. He really, he he really was an old school horseman that you just don't see anymore. You know, it, 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 you're making me think of of so many different uh, things, and and 
specifically when it comes to to Overbrook and and Airdrie and the directions that that transpired, and of course Brett, uh, you know Brett coming up under his father and, and taking the reins, and you know Overbrook, uh, there there was never any interest, uh, and, and this I'm a little I'm a little new to this topic, but the young family, there was nobody really to go on with it at, at Overbrook. Um, can you hold just a second, please, yeah, Steve? Yeah, of course. Of I'm going to put you on mute. Sure. Because uh, I, I, I'm curious on about Rick's uh, take on this, uh, you know, that essentially, you know, with, with W.T. Young's passing, uh, you know, the, the and, and Overbrook was obviously uh, as as powerful and and you know, as influential uh, during okay. the year. Sorry, I, I'm not at all. I, I, I'm just, I, I think it's an interesting question to, to juxtapose, you know, what, you know, what the, the futures, the way things unfolded at Overbrook uh, versus Airdrie. Well, um, you know, most of the, most of the, uh, family involvement in, in uh, horses um, eventually run their course. Some of them one generation, some maybe some two. Um, but if you look back in the history, the Phipps family is an anomaly uh, and the Hancock family, and uh, they're in their third generation. Uh, and I guess maybe there was one even before Bull Hancock. I'm, I'm not familiar with that. But most of them do run their course. Um and a lot of it can be intertwined with uh, estates and finances and what, how many children there are and uh, what the children are doing otherwise and do they want to subsidize it if it requires that. Um, and that's why, I mean, I, I, uh, it, it's not a surprise to me that uh, Brary Sire Brett, who is his, his nobody has the personality that Brary had and the ability to work uh, work with people, and, and Brett sure does, but nobody, there's not another Brereton Jones, and, and I've worked with and for some really dynamic people over the years, but I can tell you there's no more dynamic person than Brereton Jones was. Um, and, I, and I've watched Brett develop and, and how he's taken that on and, and how smart he is and and of course, Brary passed a lot of that on to Brett, but um, I, I'm glad to see how that operation is continuing on, and and I hope Brett is able to pass it on to his children. But you know, it's it's tough to to keep it going because you have to have the uh, uh, the commitment to it to to weather uh, some tough times. Well, I just you know it, it's interesting because. It, Overbrook in particular, it, it, when I when I started to get excited about the game and and you know the the nineties, uh, uh, really is, it was the the time that we talked about this earlier this morning. I, uh, my interest really was peaked, and and the dominance. I mean, between between Wayne Lucas and and you know the Overbrook fountainhead, essentially, Rick. It, it I mean it right. I mean they, as they were. It was as big a an operation as as, as there was. Uh, the, 
Yeah, man. And um, Mr. Young, he, he said it himself. It extended his life. He really loved it. I'm, I, I didn't... Uh, I didn't come aboard until um, the late 80s. I was doing consulting work from uh, a remote location, and then I moved on to the into the office around 1990. Uh, believe it or not, to um, he had a, Mr. Young had a really hot two-year-old, very promising horse who sadly died at three, named Grand Canyon, which was a sure. great name for him. Great name for a stallion. And uh, at that time, Stormcat was unproven. And uh, so Mr. Young brought me in ostensibly because he saw Grand Canyon as being a really popular, uh, high-powered stallion. And unfortunately, and unfortunately for the breed, he wasn't able to, to, uh, to, to breed uh he was by Fapiano. He was like an $800,000 yearling when that was a lot of money. And um, so Mr. Young just loved it. He just had, he loved to have these kind of things. He'd love to come to the farm and sit in on meetings, shake things up and then walk out. And he'd say, I'll leave you to handle this problem. And he would chuckle to himself. I'm sure he, he just, it, it, the, the, uh, uh, benefit he derived from it, um, which just underscores the lure of the horse industry to um, to people who uh, get to their retirement years and are looking for something else to to challenge them when their uh, business career is handed off to their children or sold or something else. And he he, he personified that. Uh, one a uh, one a. Uh, outstanding breeder uh, eclipse uh, had uh, what five five different uh, classic wins Tabasco Cat of course Timber Country Grindstone Editor's Note uh, so uh, a, a triple crown uh, in, within the five wins essentially uh, just yeah it's, uh, it's interesting most of the horses that Overbrook had were solely owned by the family. But Timber Country was owned with uh, Graham Beck and maybe Bob Lewis, maybe David Reynolds, I forget. And Tabasco Cat was with uh, David Reynolds. So he had, and of course, Harlan, we talked about with Arthur. Um, we had, uh, uh, he, he loved, he, he liked the people. So people that he liked, he did, he did my partnering with, but it's just how those things evolve. You know, if Wayne, saw timber country and he was going to bring it bomb of money or something. And he, he would put together uh, friends who were already people who were already friends of mystery owns. And that, uh, that's how that partnership, uh, evolved. Well, I, it just, the, <laughs> I, a natural, uh, you know, it's my, the way, I guess the way my mind works, it's one of those questions that just occurs that, uh, you know, given your, you know, your involvement and, and your history and, and, you know, you, I think of you and uh, John Adger, I suppose, right. As a, as a, uh, you know, contemporary and, and, you know, the, the people that uh, grease the skids and, and make the gears fit and work, uh, you know, this right now, David Fisk uh, comes to mind. I mean, there's, uh, there's such an important role that uh, the Rick Waldman's fill and, and, uh, Stallion management and and 
you know, being, you know, being, a, 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 you know, consulting and it's, uh, it, some, some are, I think some people probably Rick are, are you know, are better known uh, just because of uh, the nature of, uh, you know, some of the horses involved. Uh, but uh, it's one of the reasons I was so excited, you know, to see you have a horse in a spot like this on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a thrill and it's something I never anticipated. And I, Marty asked me uh, some kind of question about owning a horse and going this way. And, and I, the whole time I've worked with him or anyone else, I've, I've dealt with every, every horse, every decision, every recommendation is if I owned that particular horse or mare on making a plan, the dollars and cents and the zeros you haven't phased me is, is, uh, is financially minded as I am. I just don't think of that because I've looked at the purity of what the job is and I've been doing it for so long. I mean, I, I uh, ran the thoroughbred operations of Winfield's farm for 10 years um, and the same thing, it, it, it always helps in all these positions to, to work closely, uh, with the, uh, the owner or the patriarch of a, of a business. And I've been very fortunate with all these impressive, impressive people to be able to work that close, closely with them and to be able to talk on the phone with them all the time, to sit in meetings with them and to share ideas and it's really, it's been mentally stimulating, but it, it fit into what I thought I wanted to do at the very beginning. And I'll quickly tell you, um, my father was in the business and he, he had cheap horses and then he, he got in with Lee Eaton and they had broodmares together and they had a great deal of success. But I watched what he was doing like a lot of uh, children do with their parents and I developed an interest and I developed an interest initially by the, the financial part of it, but obviously you get really drawn by the horses. So anyway, I, uh, I remember the, uh, the 1968 Derby when, um, dancer's image, uh, finished first. And then he was disqualified, I think for a butte positive and forward pass the Calumet horse was, was elevated to the winner. And I, and I, Peter Fuller was the owner of Dancer's Image. Of Peter Fuller, just uh, what an enthusiastic sportsman he was to me at the time. He really depicted a sportsman. And I'm fortunate, I was fortunate to, and I thought to myself, you know, a guy like that is too busy with all these things. He probably needs somebody to help him, advise him, and so forth. And I saw myself doing that. I didn't set out to have a career doing that, but at the time I saw myself doing that. And I even got to meet and know and be friends with his, the guy who did that for him, a guy named John Hunt. And I got to be friendly with, with Pete. Um, so using that as a, uh, a foundation and a springboard, I mean, I did various things in between, but it, it, it seemed natural to me 15 years later to start my consulting business. I was idealistic and didn't realize how I was going to try to monetize it. Eventually I did. Um, but it, it evolved as I planned for it to, and it, um, or it hoped it would. And um, I'm very fortunate for that to have happened, but uh, then to end up owning this, this horse with Emily 
uh, is something that I never would have foreseen, but it's, it's all, it's all attributed to, uh, to Marty. Well, uh, that's a pretty, it's a pretty amazing resume. And I, and I don't know if we've, if we've ever had the, the, you know, the pre-story, from, from you actually Winfields and, and, uh, and also your association with Fred, uh, Brookdale. Oh yeah. yeah. My gosh. Yeah. Um, we still, uh, we still have dinner every so often. And I just had dinner with him a couple weeks and just talked to him on the phone last night, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, we go back, uh, well, he's, uh, <laughs> I can remember, when uh, Anna, who is a key of course. figure at Phasing Tipton, um, I remember uh, when Fred's wife was wheeling around Saratoga in a baby carriage. So <laughs> we go back that far. Uh, and it's just been a great uh, friendship, uh, partnership. Um, I don't think Fred and I really ever had a crossword. I, we've had disagreements. And usually one deferred to the other if uh, if the one party felt stronger than the other. And uh, we still parted feeling just as close as we always did. I mean, he, he's like a brother to me. I, I So I, I'm, I'm just writing these down between, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Peter Fuller and, uh, and Winfields, uh, Sites Brookdale, uh, Airdrie. Uh, Prairie uh, and W.T. Young and uh, Overbrook. Uh, I, 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 Rick, it, it's as you've got as glittering a a roster uh, of of associations as anybody. I I, I think in in the modern history of the game. Well, the glittering part certainly isn't me. The glittering part is these people, and it's the it's the real appeal of the horse business to have these kind of people that you have the opportunity. I mean, I'm just, uh, I was just a kid that got a finance degree at the university of Louisville and, um, worked my way through and you have to see certain opportunities, but there's always because of this business and the, and the kind of people that it, it attracts, there's always a possibility or, or the prospect of uh, associations with some really impressive people you can learn a great deal from and ha- and they they know how to treat people and uh it's gosh it's been that way all, all through i mean i i started uh, eight years at phasing tip and i moved to new york from kentucky for that job and uh, that was before i i worked for brary and i can't tell you the the education I got from that, I should have paid for that job. Although as little as I was paid, I probably <laughs> felt like I did. But uh, it, it was a great, great experience uh, uh, working. And then you talk about working for a sales company. You do come in contact with everybody, all levels in the horse business. And that was in the 70s when the when it was probably arguably the best decade of, the, of uh, thoroughbred racing. Well, uh, to have, uh, you know, potentially a, a derby starter in, in your name, uh, if this all continues to, to go forward, the, that would be a, that would be a nice uh, third act. 
Oh, it'd be fun. It'd, it'd be a lot of fun. I'm not getting ahead of myself. It, it's fun thinking about it, but it's, um, it's, it's better than a lottery ticket because a lottery ticket, your dream that you have when you buy the ticket is vanished as soon as that they draw. This is an ongoing dream um, that I can drop and pick up and think about again and and do my own little form of brainstorming. Um, and I'm, I'm uh, very fortunate that uh, Marty has uh, has done this for, for myself and also for Emily. I'm sure she feels the same way. Are you, are you going to be in New Orleans Saturday? I'm not. I can't make it. Uh, but um, if he runs really well and he stays on the trail, I, you, you won't miss me at the, at the next stop. Now, uh, the, the you know, this is this fits into the whole dialogue about what uh, fairgrounds management uh, the the adjustment of the schedule to have these uh, you know longer distance opportunities uh, and you know making the Louisiana Derby a mile and three sixteenths making the Risen Star a mile yeah. and the eighth it it, mm-hmm. it is absolutely been uh it seems a boon i mean there 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 was the long run of the fairgrounds oaks being a tremendous path uh to kentucky oaks success uh and and for whatever reason the boys side you know seemed to you know seemed to uh, not be as as successful a route um but that seems to have changed now and uh this is uh, the most anticipated uh, prep uh, so far may very well turn out to be the most productive as well. Uh, and uh, Rick Waldman, I, I couldn't resist this. Uh, and, and now I'm just uh, literally uh, thrilled that uh, I had the opportunity to, you know, not just talk about resilience, but uh, all the other things that uh, has, has made your you know, career and, and ties to the game uh, you know, so remarkable. Well, it's a credit to the game that uh, that is that intoxicating to all of us, to you, to me, to, to everybody else. Uh, can you imagine uh, applying your trade at something that you enjoy so much to have that that passion, to be able to, to work your passion? Uh, we ought to pay for these jobs. Hmm. Well, and, 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 to, and before we close, I, I will ask you, I mean, a, a lot of the conversations I have to deal with, uh, have, you know, have been topics uh, of duress. Uh, you, you sound as enthusiastic about the game as, as you ever have been. Yeah, I am. I mean, it's, um, I just, what can you say about it? I, I, I'd like to see some, some improvement in certain directions, but that's probably a topic for another conversation. But, uh, um, there, there are a lot of, uh, brilliant minds that are, trying to trying to continue to make it better but it's uh at the end of the day it's an entertainment uh uh sport and it it has to be competitive that's all so we we i just i hope we can do a a lot to bring people to the to the races and that's that's my uh personal internal goal is to see that happen i i remember back uh um it's probably is before your time steve but uh, when I was a kid watching a UHF, I think it was a UHF channel in, in Louisville, we had, I don't know, two or three VHS channels, and we had one, it was channel 41, I think, and Wynn Elliott and Dave Johnson did a show from New York, and it was great, I love watching it, 
And uh, it was on Saturdays in the winter they would do it, or I guess, I don't know if they took time off then, but it was cold, I know. And there would be 30 some odd thousand people in the stands at Aqueduct. And I'd love to see that happen again. We're not going to get 30,000 at Aqueduct in the winter, but I'd like to see a return to more people in the stands. We really need that. Yeah, there's you know there are pockets of uh, of of success, and when it comes to you know live gate, uh, there there's you know so certainly the you know certainly the biggest weekends uh, and and the showcase the showpiece events, you know they they pack them in, uh, and and the boutique meets obviously as well. It it yeah. you know it, yeah, it's it's a challenge. Well. Uh, it, it is a challenge, and it's it's and perhaps it's idealistic, but we all have to have goals, and we you shoot for the goal, and you you go farther if you have a higher goal. We're not going to get thirty thousand uh, on those various weekends, but we can we can expand on the boutique meets, and uh, and racetracks are doing you know as much as they can at this point, but I just. Um, I think you get you're going to attract more people wanting to spend a lot of money to own horses if they if they cut their teeth themselves by going to the races, and also if they accept the winner's trophy in front of a grandstand full of people. Um, so that's 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 all. It's it's not a complaint of anything. It's just. My uh, my dream, you know, my my wish. I've had that for a long time, and I'll I'll continue to have it um, as long as I'm in the industry. Well, uh, the horse the horse is monikered uh, appropriately. Uh, resilience, resilience, right? We can, we can <laughs> use that in a broad way. Lord knows, Marty Wygod and Pam Wygod have shown resilience. And if there's, if there's, I can't think of any other owners and breeders who have been as resilient as they have. And so it's an appropriately named horse. I, I love it. It's a, it's a real good name. Resilience, uh, the Into Mischief Colt uh, running Saturday uh, for Emily Wygod Bushnell and Rick Waldman. Johnny V aboard, Bill Mott uh, training. And uh, Rick, this was an absolute delight thank you so much good luck thank you steve appreciate it rick waldman uh hoping to get lucky on uh saturday in this risen star and uh, that was uh that was absolute uh an absolute pleasure to uh, rick rick it, it, we've we've talked too much about Stormcat with rick over the years uh so <laughs> uh, this was expansive and uh what a what a series of associations unbelievable really unbelievable that you know that, that that's a, a a hall of fame category that should be that should be crafted right stallion managers farm managers racing managers we're gonna right I, I like that idea that, that was amazing uh, and you heard some names <clears throat> I'm sure I, in fact I'm, I've gotten one two I've gotten three four emails that I've got to go through uh, from people uh, listening and uh, that have some have association with with Rick 
Unbelievable. Rick Walden. Very cool. Let's take a break second. And, and Joe Clancy was listening. And so Joe Joe has abdicated. Uh, <laughs> he, he, Mr. Shearman, I've relinquished my time. <laughs> so thank you, Joe. Uh, I think we're going to – we talked to Dave Hill on Tuesday. So let's uh, – Let's get set for hour three. I'll see where Tony is. Um, we got to get to Rich Ang. Uh, and I think, we're, you know what? I think we should get uh, Jeff in right here. I'm going to get to Jeff Franklin now. And we'll do the win using thoroughgraph segment uh, because we've got, we're, you know, here's the topic actually Risen Star and the Fairground Stakes. At the races, Sirius XM, hour three, when we come back. PA Bread, I think we've built uh, a brand at this point. The state of Pennsylvania has the best breeders program in the entire United States. Angel of Empire wins the Arkansas Derby and wins it clear. Caravelle in the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. Pennsylvania and the PHBA have the best state bread program in the country, bar none. The best breeders' awards and stallion awards in the country. We're racing two-year-olds in California, Kentucky. Please consider Bleeder Shield, the leading all-natural paste used to greatly reduce or eliminate EIPH. The list of trainers who trust Bleeder Shield is endless. Shouldn't you join the team? To learn more, contact Joseph Volante at 215-501-6880. created specifically for horse racing. Naira Bets. We specialize in thundering hooks, fist pumping, and boosting your bankroll with robust weekly promotions. And offer betting tips from actual horse racing experts. Bet all day and night nationwide. Get the action in world horse racing with Naira Bets. $200 deposit match with promo Steve200. Visit NairaBets.com for details. Pond's family's Country Life and Maryland Farms are the place for breeding and racing in the Mid-Atlantic. Country Life is nationally recognized for making stallions and curly stands, the Mid-Atlantic's leading first and second crop sires, Divining Rod by Tappan and Mosler by Warfront, as well as Friesian Fire. Maryland's 5-8 mile training track completes the full-service facilities from the folding barn to the racetrack. Join the excitement of racing with Country Life Farm, where our partnerships can take you from beginning to winning. Want to know a secret? The Massachusetts Breeding Program pays huge bonuses for finishing first, second, or third at any racetrack in the country. You didn't know that. 5% of their purse earnings for the owner, and breeder, and stallion owner, and developer. It's the best kept secret in racing. Till now. Tell all your friends. And to learn more, visit MassBreads.com. Whether you're new to the racing game or just looking to enhance your operation, Hermitage Farm and Goshen can help you. We are conveniently located between Churchill Downs and Keeneland Racecourse and near world-renowned equine hospitals. With spacious paddocks, expert staff, and qualified veterinarians, we offer full-service boarding, breeding, and sales preparation, as well as post-operative care and layup services. Visit us in person or online at hermitagefarm.com. Thank you. 
breaking down the biggest stories in the world of horse racing. This is At The Races with Steve Bick on Sirius XM Radio. Stacks of Wax. Uh, hour three upon us and Jeff Franklin standing by when using Thurograph and some some victories using Thurograph are, are better than others, uh, but uh, one way to get an edge, and that's what we've been trying to explain and uh, to uh, uh, urge people to consider, and uh, a couple of races at least a week. You can go to thirdgraph.com. You sign up in the little box, uh, click here, and uh, you'll get a couple of races. And the two this week are going to be uh, from Fairgrounds, of course, with the great card on tap. Saturday, uh, Gentilly. Jeff Franklin, good morning. Good morning, Steve. How goes the battle? Uh, <laughs> other, other than wishing that I was coming to you from New Orleans, uh, I had to cancel uh, and postpone my start uh. of my trip. But uh, oh, sorry. other than that, no complaint. Okay, well, um, so let's get into it. What can, I, what can I do for you this morning? Well, let's start actually with a little recap. Let's go back to last week and uh, get, a, you know, get a read on uh, how, we, how we fared. And, of course, uh, the Sam Davis, uh, one of the, the two races that we looked at. Uh, well, that went well. And uh, no more time um, came home for us uh, right on cue. Um, it was kind of a, a an interesting uh, double, as it were, between our two races because um, the odds in both races were all over the place. And in one case, they uh, provided uh, a huge opportunity, and the other uh, a stand aside. So, in the in the Sam Davis, no more time was very very impressive, and. Um, uh, the trifecta paid a stunning amount of money. So um, probably not that big a surprise because no more time was 10 to one on the line, bet down to a high three to one. Uh, but the trifecta paid over $300, which uh, considering that Agate Road was second, uh, I think made a lot of a lot of our guys uh, some pretty good coin based on the input I got after the race. So, uh, so that was a good one. Um, then, uh, on the other hand, in the Philly and Mare stake at Aqueduct, Portage, who I thought would be, would float six to one. And remember, we make our selections here on Thursdays without knowing the morning line was bet down to two to one and floated up to five to two at the end. It was a stand aside for me. I don't, I mean, Saddle Up Jesse won the race as she would be, uh, have been expected to. Even she was down to even money. So that was kind of a non event race. There was really no value there no. at all. No. It, 
Yeah, so who knew, right? So um, that to me was a recap. Have I overlooked anything? Well, I I do want to, and I'm just I'm just looking for because I do have where, where was the where was my uh, maybe it's down here at my feet. Could be uh, the results. For, yeah, there's Tampa Bay from last week. Let me here's uh, the, there we go. Um, <clears throat> One of the th- <clears throat> excuse me. One of the things that made that that trifecta really sing was West Saratoga. The uh, Larry Demerit uh, Iroquois winner mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. goes off at thirty-one to one, and it, it, I, I I don't know if anybody's got if he still have last week and uh, you know close at hand, but. It, it, this is a horse that's a very tough read, and it, it, he ran that number, the seven that he ran to win the Iroquois. Then he reacted uh, at, at Keeneland and you know went back to the the ten and, and three quarters. The seasonal debut at Tampa, cutting back to seven, it, you know essentially was kind of a, a I don't want to call it a false indicator, but the the Pasco effort, it, it, it's a tough read because that Bookham Dano was so far gone, uh, and in, in the meantime, you know uh, Camacho was well cleared, so all he had to do was you know not fall off essentially, uh, <laughs> you know right. to to uh, I mean he he got past uh, I forget who it was uh, to get second, but you know it was a dozen lengths in, in arrears. Uh, this this horse was a tough read, and I, I'm very happy because I got to, I got to know the owners. I presented the trophy in the in the Iroquois, and and I got to know uh, a little uh, you know the owner Harry Verrucci, uh, who lives in Eloy, Arizona, halfway between uh, Tucson and and Phoenix. Uh, I, th- this horse is a very tough read, and to to include him in the try. It was, you know, with with a lot of other interesting, you know, first time three year olds. It, it 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 was a tricky read to include him, and I, I I think it's worth at least, you know, your interpretation of his sheet uh, coming sure. into this. Yeah, and so um, to your point, two races before he'd run a seven, the best number in the race coming in. Was no more time. The ultimate winner. He'd run a six and three quarter. We're talking feet apart, and the difference would be: um, did we did we think that the ten and three quarter reaction, the, the race after he ran the seven, was a um, an opportunity for him to um, to make a predictable bounce and come back to the seven? In which case, he's right in the picture. That's the way it was. Or did this? represent that the seven took a lot out of him. It would take a lot of time for him to recover, et cetera. So to me, part of the um, uh, the real use of, of the sheets is when you see one of these back numbers um, as a handicapper, you always have to ask yourself, can the horse could come back to that back number or in some cases even improve? And um, um, as it turned out, uh, I got lucky in the sense that I wheeled everybody in the third leg and and didn't have to make that, you know, but um, um, would have been one of my four or five in the third leg had I been f- forced to filter it down. 
ba- just based on that seven, Steve. I mean, he he showed the talent, and um, I, you know, some, it's all about value to me. And having a little bit of the crystal ball through Thurograph, but none of us really know. So there you go. The the other horses that had had established uh, numbers that that made them contenders, because there there is a. There really were two other, at least two other horses to talk about on that topic. Copper Tax, who had had that string of sevens, and Patriot Spirit, the uh, the Mike Campbell. And mm-hmm. both of them, both of them disappointed. And there's one, one element of horses running at Tampa. Now, Patriot Spirit had already run at Tampa, <clears throat> but Copper Tax had not. Uh, you know, sometimes a horse will throw a clunker at, at, at Tampa, and... It, it it has nothing to do with his form cycle. It has everything to do with Tampa. So it, it, Tampa can be a very funny read and and kind of like a a fish out of water sometimes on a on a sheet. And and later this spring, you know, later in the winter, uh, early spring, you know, you you might see a, a, an off performance or even an X performance uh, from some of these horses who were down the chart. And they may get back into into form when either they return to Churchill or they return to Aqueduct or whatever. Uh, it, it, it because Tampa is just uh, between the kickback uh, that some horses take in their face and they'll turn their head and that's it. And they'll shut down. It, it, it's just a weird, very frequently a, a, an anomaly surface. Couldn't agree more. Uh, and. Um... It was for that reason that we tried to get uh, Flamineo home, who had yep. run an eight at Tampa Bay, yep. uh, and looked like he was coming back to it. And turning for home, I was licking my chops because no more time was, yeah, I imagine. And so uh, that was looking to be a, a heck of an exact. But it, still, the race had a great outcome. But one thing we haven't talked about was change of command, who, you know, everybody bet off the board, Shook's horse. And, um, you know, remind he, he had Lasix off. He had run one number, which was an eight, that did, did, absolutely did not deserve the attention uh, that the horse was given. And um, to me, represented kind of anti-value. And so to me, he was a great bet against, and he, he ran very disappointingly. I, I wonder if he bled again or, or whatever. I don't know. Well, and, and there was also the question of putting the blinkers on after the win. Yeah, yeah, no good point. Thank you for reminding me. Yep, you're right. So you don't. So here's a horse that you, you don't know, and I, and I should really talk to Shug about this because uh, you don't know. Uh, the, the, does the Lasix off? Was that a contributing factor? Uh, did he resent the blinkers? Uh, and and did that contribute? Uh, you, you just, it, to be honest, I mean, he you, you mentioned. Leading, he kind of ran like a horse that bled, right? I mean, he yeah, yeah. chasing a, and the pace was the pace was, you know, it was it was not fast, it wasn't slow, uh, but he he stopped badly. So, um, we'll uh, you know one of the other things which is which is kind of a a non sheets consideration. I don't know how much attention a lot of folks pay to the post parade, but Agate Road, who ran second. Uh, gave an otherworldly appearance on the racetrack. Yeah. He just looked like, oh my gosh, what a uh, what a 
beautiful appearance he gave. And to me, it was significant because he ran so credibly on the dirt. So we may have like one of those horses we should put a few bob in an early derby pool <laughs> or something because he looked like he really took to the, to, uh, the change of surface and uh, couldn't have shown better and ran ran well. Really ran well. well. Came against a nice horse. I I, I was trying, was hoping to get uh, a visit in today. You mentioned uh, the future wager. We do have pool four this weekend, and right. uh, there will be sheets that'll probably come out what tomorrow. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, today or tomorrow, even right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so look for that. And here, let's take a quick glance. Um, Agate Road starts out at 50 to 1 in yeah, Pool 4. Yeah, of course. How about that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. 50 to a, 1. A guy could do worse than having uh, some beer money uh, riding on that, Steve. I, I might just have to do that when we hang up. Uh, you, got, you got time. The pool opens tomorrow at noon. But uh, right. the, and of oh, course, right. there'll, there'll, there'll be quite a few, you know, there's quite a, obviously, there's a bunch of horses running. Uh, we're going to talk about the Risen Star momentarily, but uh, uh, some of the others, you know, it's funny. Uh, might as well mention West Saratoga. And, and, you know, from a figure, from a buyer standpoint, I've not seen, uh, I'm sure Jerry has done the numbers, but uh, I haven't seen it discussed. Uh, the race came back slow. Uh, so, I mean, that got to bring that out. So we'll see what, uh, what Jerry has done with it. Um, but West Saratoga, you know, there's, there's horses that are going to get back to Churchill. Um, it, it, when one of the considerations in these, in these pools in these future wagers, uh, horses that, you know, are going to get back to uh, Kentucky and uh, they they should get some extra credit uh, for success uh, at the Downs. Uh, do not discount that. There is no better, you know, there's no better uh, indice than. Uh... There you go. Agreed. Agreed. So I I struggled to make any commentary on the Philly Mare Stake at Aqueduct beyond yeah, uh, the horse that figured to win one and and yeah. all the value was sucked out of the race. I mean, have I overlooked anything? No, no. That uh, uh, yeah. you know, I tried Movie Moxie and it ran okay, but uh, no. It, they, we we said that if 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 Brittany Russell's uh, uh, mare right. ran, you know, if she ran her her race, uh, she was going to be tough to beat. That was it. Uh, yeah, that I, was it. The uh, Let's let's go to the Risen Star, and uh, this is uh, this is a first of all, it's a fabulous card. We're going to talk about the twelfth and the fourteenth, and uh, the twelfth is the turf race. But uh, let's start with the Risen Star. Well, um, so many. What a great time of year! I, I you know. I always get so excited to watch these horses emerge right in front of our eyes. The horse I'm most interested in the race um, is um, uh, Sierra Leone, uh, Chad Brown's baby. Um, He's only run twice, um, ran a a beautiful number, uh, ran a four and a half early on. And knowing Chad, you know, viewing him from afar, this is the kind of move that he takes where he lets the horse develop a little bit after the two-year-old races and brings them back. And then Katie, bar the door. I, I think this horse could be any type. Um, he puts blinkers on. Um, I love him. I have no idea what price he'll be. Uh, in fact, have you checked? I haven't checked the entries this morning to see if the uh, 
Let's do that right now. Well, the line I was don't take more. The line was out uh, on. on oh, they did it. Yeah, they did it with the draw. Oh, good. I missed it. Yeah. Okay, so he's four to one, um, which is square but not overwhelming as far as the price. Second choice. But yeah, he's he's um, yeah. Good. Thank you for reminding me about that. So um, that's intriguing to me. Um, I like him a lot. I would suppose um, one of the most interesting horses in the race, though, um, I, I would say, well, the two Asmussens are are very, very interesting, Hall of Fame and, and Track Phantom. Um, unfortunately, they are pretty much in the same bucket as far as prices. They're, you know, they're, they're okay, uh, six to one, seven to two, respectively. But they're both in patterns that nobody knows how these horses will develop when a horse is just two starts and has run, you know, a, a setup race and then a five, what's going to be the next start? Could it be a four or a zero? Well, we're, we're going to find out on Saturday. So those are two that I really have a lot of um, interest and respect in. Uh, some of my friends have said that uh, they like Honor Marie a lot. Um, I've, I've never uh, really paid that much attention to him. Uh, I will in the post parade for sure on Saturday. So to me, the most interesting horse, to recap, the most interesting horse is Sierra Leone. Well, I think this could be his coming out party. Well, the, the, when he it got beat is, you know, tiny bit uh, by, you know, by Dornock in the, in the Remsen and, you know, Chad's, <clears throat> Chad's presence, uh, you know, makes him a, a known quantity. There's, there's, there's essentially half this field that are are close in terms of number power and, and let's let's do that first and we'll do it from the outside i mean here's track phantom uh who coming off a a, a six in the lecompte ran a five uh back uh when he won the gun runner and uh, anybody that heard steve asmussen with us uh, after the lecompte knows that steve has every intention to run him Every step along the way here, uh, through the Risen Star, through the Louisiana Derby, he wants the, the horse that is going to require, you know, lots of lots of starts, and uh, so you should be encouraged. I mean, the, the the horse has got an epicenter, you know, feel to him. Uh, surprisingly, when when these numbers came out, it, it was interesting to me that uh, you know he he just was a fit. He wasn't necessarily a horse that that uh, is touting himself from number power. Moving inside, we just spent uh, 45 minutes with Rick Waldman, and uh, resilience is going to be uh, easily every bit of his 12 to one morning line. He's run three straight seven and a halfs. Appears poised to move forward. Uh, we talked about the, with Rick about Bill Mott starting him at a mile and uh, the horses run two miles and two mile and a sixteenth utilizes this avenue because it's an early mile and an eighth uh he's a contender as far as i'm concerned a 12 to 1 catching freedom coming off of a seven and a quarter uh in the effort at uh at oaklawn and the smarty jones win he's obviously a contender hall of fame you mentioned the two asmussens uh, as it happens uh hall of fame is run as fast as uh, track phantom, <clears throat> so he's going to demand attention. That ten length romp uh, when stretched out to the mile and the sixteenth. I mean, this, this just goes on and on. Uh, 
real men violin. Are we going to doubt McPeak uh, the way he's running right now and, uh, you know, firing with his three-year-olds? He just ran a seven. Uh, I'll come back to Moonlight as a nibbler. Uh, Sierra Leone, the four and three quarter, as mentioned, uh, is the best number in this field. Honor Marie, five and a half when last seen. Uh, at the end of his two-year-old year. So that's better than half the field. Anna Marie, Sierra Leone, Real Men Violin, and Moonlight, one-third of the the field here, are are coming off layoffs. And I'm a little, not that I don't respect, you know, let's say a Chad Brown uh, bringing a horse back off of a layoff to go a mile and an eighth. I I want horses that that are in their form cycle and that, uh, have recency. I, I don't know how, you you know you you gravitate necessarily you know with aggressiveness to a, a Sierra Leone. Not that not that he can't win. Uh, I just I mean there's horses here that are that are fresh and 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 have been running and are are further along. Uh, you know, Whit Beckman and Chad and even McPeak. Uh, this is an intermediate step to a, you know, a penultimate start before a Derby. Uh, they want to get points and all, but I, I, how do I how do I favor any horse that that is is, you know, first off these layoffs over Hall of Fame, resilience, track phantom, you know, for instance. Right. So, I, I can't argue with anything you've said, and. Um, it's what makes these races so compelling and and, um, and makes me underscore something that I learned a long time ago. It's all about value because we don't know, to repeat what I said earlier, who's coming out party it will be on Saturday. Um, my suspicion, as I said, is Sierra Leone, but, but both of Steve's horses, you've said it perfectly. They are primed. They, um, they are in excellent patterns and wouldn't even be a remote surprise. If they if they moved up three four lengths and suddenly they run a two, and we've got a Kentucky Derby number in February, and so um, yeah, you know the other thing, Steve, that these horses, um, how many times have we talked about this? They don't they don't improve incrementally. It doesn't it doesn't often look like nine eight seven six five. It's nine nine two. They they put it all together. The little boys turn into teenagers and blam, they run through the TV. And um, thus, uh, I'm always with a with a three year old race this time of year. I'm always looking for value and looking for that horse that can leapfrog from a seven to a two. And uh, I know Sierra Laverne, uh, Sierra Leone, excuse me, is a um, is an exception to that because he does happen to have the fastest number in the race. I just think he might have extraordinary talent. So um, and maybe I'm reading too much into him. But uh, I followed him a little bit, like the race at Aqueduct uh, on a bad surface. And um, so to me, he's the horse to beat along with the two Steve's. But I don't think there's too much that would surprise us. It's three or four horses that have no business in the race. But the rest are very well qualified. It's a, it's a great dramatic race. Well, there's two horses. I mean, in terms of, in terms of, of moving forward, the, the two horses that are, that are intriguing – uh, on that topic, <clears throat> take a look at real viol- real men violin. Uh, it, it, there's something in here. It, 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 when you look at his at his page, it debuted with a 16 on grass, and then uh, had the off the turf race uh, 
where he posted an 11 and three quarters in the mud. Then McPeak persevered with dirt, gets down to a nine and three quarters, gets a turf opportunity at Keeneland, goes back to a 14 and a half, which was an improvement on the debut in terms of his turf figure, but then breaks the maiden uh, in a, a spot where he was entered on, on the dirt and it, it ended up sloppy and he gets a nine and then a seven uh, when he uh, turns in the good placement behind Anna Marie in the Kentucky Jockey Club. My suggestion is here is to cross off, uh, cross out the two turf tries. And if you do that, let's we're looking at the buyer scale for starters. It is incremental. Uh, uh, in terms of dirt, 71, 74, 82, 89. And on on his page, on, on his thoroughgraph sheet, 11 and three quarters, nine and three quarters, nine and seven. He, he's been moving forward with every dirt start and has yet to go backwards on dirt. And, and so discount the turf, the, the back movement uh, on that turf try in October. For, who cares? He's, he's a Mendelssohn that you know, that can run on the dirt. So, I, 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 I mean, as much, McPeak makes me nuts. Uh, he makes everybody nuts. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> that'll come back to me. Uh, the, uh, but he, he's, he's eight to one. And uh, Kenny's a good sport. Uh, the, uh, boy, I, got, I better pull myself up here before I get in more trouble. The uh, 8 to 1 is a very inviting number on this horse. And, and Catching Freedom has got the same scenario. And again, you're talking about, a, a in, in the case of this, a, a Brad Cox, uh, this, this one looks like a coiled spring. A pair of 9 and 3 quarters and then a 7 and a quarter. Is it going to surprise you if this horse you know, jumps up and, and runs a 90-something buyer, uh, wins and, and runs a, a 4 or, or a 3.5? No, I mean it, it, Brad Cox no. uh, does that, uh, you know, on a regular basis. He, he he's he's proven to be very good handling these three-year-olds. So, and this is a constitution who's going to want every bit of the mile uh, and and uh, and an eighth. Uh, you know, that's another consideration in here. Uh, you're looking for stamina horses. It's one of the reasons I'm I'm so intrigued by resilience coming out of a smart strike mare who was out of a Rahi mare. You know, all kinds of, of uh, as, as Sid Fernando discusses, turf equals stamina. And uh, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very uh, intrigued. This is, this is as fun a race as, I, I, I don't know, but there's no guarantee we get as good of a, of a three-year-old race like this until we get the Derby. There you go. And, uh, this will be a fun one to watch. By the way, I haven't checked weather. I'm assuming that everything's good to go. Well, I know that they've they were uh, when I talked to Kevin Kilroy on uh, on Mardi Gras on Tuesday. Uh, he did say that there was a little bit of uh, weather for Friday mm-hmm. that they were they were tracking. Let's get an update. Well, that would uh, that would absolutely suck. Ugh, Jesus, are you kidding me? Uh, there is now. Now they do have a little bit of. Uh, they do have a little bit of precipitation, uh, at least showing. Well, not terrible actually. Uh, they're they're showing the little rain clouds, but uh, but the percentage is not is not bad. Here's the ten day. Let's uh, 
uh, Saturday. I'm not. This is not great. Rain and wind early, then remaining cloudy with showers in the afternoon. Eighty-two percent chance. Darn it. Okay. And the same thing, basically, a little lower. Actually, now it looks like it looks like the rain that was expected mostly on Friday uh, has has slowed down because they're talking. Uh, uh, Friday overcast with rain showers at times, fifty-seven percent chance. So the the ugh, the well, all right. This is this is this is the life we've chosen. Uh, so <laughs> there you go. Been dying right. of the same heart attack for twenty years. Uh, so one thing that <laughs> we, your we really haven't talked about, we haven't talked about the fact that, that the race is a mile and eight. Yeah, and, um, you know, it, sometimes, you know, the extra 16th of a mile or eighth of a mile, as the case may be, can separate um, the men from the boys. And um, I often use the lower left, the thoroughgraph um, index that um, to me shows, at least from a sire perspective, how a sire's babies do on less than a mile or a mile or over. It, it's not it's a perfect overlay for this discussion because all it really says is how you do a mile or over. It could be a mile, a mile 16th or a mile and eight. But when you see a horse who's running 14s at a, a mile or under and 11s at a mile or over, it, it tends to point to a horse that'll get the mile and an eight. Not a perfect indicator, but something for those of you that are looking at the sheets right now along with us might want to factor in for that extra 16th or so. And it does come into play when assessing value. A hundred percent. And uh, that's yet, uh, you know, that's another point in, uh, for instance, catching freedoms, uh, favor, constitution, you know, mm -hmm. you get yep. uh, you get the strength of constitution uh, for the trip. Uh, probably the probably the best beneficiary, I would I would imagine, uh, at least from a, the stallion standpoint. But of course, you know, remember speed typically uh, comes from the sire line and, and stamina from the dam side. That's uh, the, that's traditional. Doesn't, you know, it's not an infallible uh, rule, but uh, it's certainly, uh, it's certainly the, uh, the thumbnail sketch. Let's turn then to, so if you had, if you had a top three right now that, that you want to give out, lay it out. Sierra Leone. Um, yeah, I think Sierra, uh, Sierra Leone, um, um, Track Phantom and Catching Freedom. That would be my top three. Very good. So we'll call it uh, we'll call it four, eleven, eight. And now you're going to make me uh, come up with one too. Uh, I, I guess because I asked. Uh, yes. Please. <laughs> well, I'm king. I've I've talked about this resilience all week. I I'm king. The ten. Uh, at uh, at the price, uh, 10, 10, 11, 10, 11, 7, 8 for me. Okay, okay. I'm writing this down. I'm going to hold you to the flame next week. Well, okay. 
And, and right. I mean, and that, Good. and that, that, I mean, that drives me crazy because I'm leaving out, you know, three horses that I, that I, I won't, wouldn't be surprised. This is one of those scenarios where you're going to bet horses, you're going to leave horses off tickets potentially uh, on the win end that, you know, you acknowledge readily wouldn't be any surprise if they won. Right. And, uh, and that, that includes Honor Marie, Sierra Leone, <laughs> um, and Real Men Violin. Uh, but uh, I, I can't, I, I cannot resist the resilience, and I respect the, the two Asmussen's too much, and uh, and Cox as well. So, all right, let's turn to the, uh, let's turn to the excellent fairgrounds, uh, and we... I'm going to guess we're going to assume they'll do everything they can to get this race in, obviously. Um, but you're going to, as, as Michelle, ne- Michelle Nevin, Michelle uh, Lovell said yesterday, you can expect uh, some cut in the ground, uh, assuming they are able to run this on the grass. Well, to me, the, I mean, the, uh, the standout in the race and the appropriate, um, favorite on the morning line of strong quality for a couple of reasons. Um, well, three reasons, actually. Uh, he's, he's had recency over the track. He's fast and he should be the controlling speed. So, um, and, uh, the mile and eighth seems perfectly suited for him. Um, I guess a fourth thing, given what we've just been talking about is that previously he had run right near a top on a, on a, on a good, uh, Keeneland track um way back in april so if if there is a little bit of give to the going on saturday shouldn't bother him at all he's a deserving favorite but yep. it doesn't mean he'd be the horse i necessarily would bet on but he's a deserving favorite um going down a little bit deeper i'm licking my chops at harlan estate and this is to me one of the great times where thoroughgraph really can help isolate um, he's 12 to one in the morning line. He previously run threes, which is competitive, uh, right there with, with strong quality and ran a buried four and a half last time. He went eight, he was in the eight path around the far turn. So to the public who's using, you know, PPs, they're going to go, Oh, he, you know, ran six, didn't run that well. Uh, probably won't like the distance, blah, blah, blah. Well, we know he barely, he ran just about as good as he does. And two starts ago, he ran a three and a quarter on a Churchill turf course that had that was listed as good. So if there's a little bit of give to it tomorrow, um, I, I think he could float up to 15, 15 or 18, 20 to one even. So he's somebody I'm definitely interested in. I'm going to be watching that horse with a microscope. Harlan Estate and... Uh... <clears throat> And let me throw a third one out there, Steve. That, Go ahead. That uh, is Gigante. Um, love Gigante. I love, I love, um, you know, newly turned four-year-olds. And um, he's just an inch or two slower based on history than uh, Strong Quality or Harlan Estate. It wouldn't surprise me if he ran a brand new top tomorrow and uh, on Saturday, rather, and, um, and, and gave them heck. And then he's eight to one. So, you know, cutting to the chase, those are the three I like. And I, I, <laughs> I just went to look at my, uh, I just went to look at my page, and I, for some reason, I, I don't have. I've, I've got numbers four through twelve, and I'm missing, I'm missing uh, 
one, two, three. Uh, so give me one second. Um, oh, that's weird. Yeah, I, I, I was. I've been so focused on. Uh, you know what? I bet it's with. Hold on. I'm going to bet it's on the back of race eleven. Watch this. Watch. Watch this. It's going to be. Ta-da! That's my fault. Uh, the way I, you know, I print the uh, front and back pages. Okay, so now I have it. Johnny's fireball, because I was curious what Johnny's fireball, uh, who I respect, coming out of the Diliberto. You know, you've got obviously you've got uh, the Colonel Bradley and the Diliberto uh, as uh, references and 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 you know opportunity to referendum. Uh, mix and match feels you know strong quality the question just to, you know the the speed that's involved in here how much pace uh pressure uh can he expect and and the answer is you know potentially not a lot right I right mean, he, right. he he can nurse this around in fact let me check the let me also check the uh the pace uh projection i, I thought beat, beatbox might lay right off of him um you know, I don't know what um, Sheree's going to want to do with him. And, you know, how many times, as a former jockey's agent, I can tell you, when when the jocks get looking at a paceless field, they go, wow, I'd like to be right on his butt. And they send the horse unexpectedly. We've all seen that. But in this case, I think the beatbox would be really the, the biggest uh, legitimate threat. And not that much. I think he'd figure to lay second if they, if yeah. they do it right. Yeah, well, the, the, the horse that you might... The, the horse you might look to here, actually, because we had the discussion with Michelle Lovell, uh, English Tavern, uh, probably, especially from out there, and, and considering where this race starts, uh, Torres is a candidate, and uh, Rising Empire uh, has at least, you know, knows, and especially with Saez taking, uh, you know, riding back, I, I wonder if they don't get a little bit uh aggressive i mean there is no other there there really isn't even i mean i guess you would you would call uh beatbox a you know kind of a, a not a presser but I, I guess he could track i mean uh, you look at what he did in the colonel bradley i mean that was a 49 second half mile right. so they, they, and in fact when they went fast in the diliberto he was nowhere to be found he was eighth yeah, right. and, 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 uh, and, and, he had, and he had a bad start in there, so that that's uh, that that factors in. I, you know, Gigante, Gigante has a little bit of a tactical foot to him. I, I wonder if Morales, uh, you know, who actually kept him fairly close, and coming out of a mile race, coming out of that wood chopper. Uh, a mile is just a more of a brisk pace race uh, than than the the Bradley and 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 so forth. The, the horses, you know, the, you've also got the other Cassie Palazzi, uh, who you know who's okay and and actually is a winner uh, at fairgrounds. Going back to I think to when he was a, a four year old, or I think um, interesting. This there's there is I guess every chance for strong quality to to wire this. Right and. Uh, regarding Gigante, the, um, you may have hit on a very important factor because um, he did have some trouble at the start last race. Might naturally want to lay a little closer. He's coming out of a mile race. And most importantly, where he's drawn, he can't mess around. 
And if he, you know, if, if he tries to lay third or fourth or something, he might be four wide, and the jock's going to have no opportunity to gain position. And sometimes, you know, you let them rip out of the gate, and they just go on their own. But all that said, strong quality, you know, would figure to still be the controlling pace. He's always first or second in, you know, the initial running. And um, if they leave him alone too much or just – let's suppose one or two horses go on the front end and they slow it down enough. It really shouldn't matter that uh, say the ground saving three kind of quality is going to be really tough to beat. Should um, note, uh, you should also note, I mean, in terms of uh, uh, horses that are in form and, uh, and in terms of, in terms of a fast uh, numbers that, that fit uh, an interesting cross entry, a very clever cross entry. Uh, the the Wyckoffs don't miss too many tricks. Jordan Wyckoff has got money supply in here with Joe Sharp, uh, just in case this race comes off. Uh, and he's of course also cross entered in the uh, uh, what's the uh, what's the dirt race? The mine shaft. The mine shaft. So if this oh. if, if this stays on grass. Uh, Money supply, I assume, is is going to run in the mine shaft. But if it comes off, uh, he he he's a major, uh, an obvious major player. Uh, this horse has gotten very good. Uh, they claimed this horse from Seth uh, Klarman and Chad, uh, and has ripped off four wins and a and a second uh, coming out of starter allowance. Uh, very very clever. I'm telling you, the Wyckoffs uh, are about as sharp as there is. Well, and, and uh, <laughs> let's assume that he, he does scratch out of here uh, and would, would go to another race on presumably less than a fast track. He did just run a, a, a two and a half, a new top on a money, in a, you know, on a money yeah. racetrack at Oakland. So, yep. wow, good, you know, good for them. Strategic planning. Yep. <clears throat> uh, well, the the risen star is the is the main event and uh, goes as goes as the fourteenth. It'll be John John Dooley has got to parse out uh, his 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 vocal uh, stylings uh, on Saturday. Fourteen race card that uh, should be just spectacular. And uh, Jeff, good luck. I uh, I think we'll have uh, lots of these. We'll 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 be looking at Oaklawn next week. We've got the Rebel, right? Uh, and whatever other, uh, whatever else I settle on, we'd like to do one turf and one uh, dirt race typically. So we're looking forward to it. Uh, win using Thurograph. Uh, sign up if you haven't. We've got uh, I think there's over a thousand of you uh, that are enjoying it. And uh, check with Jeff and comments on the. Uh, Thurograph, uh, ask the experts board if you have any questions uh, as well. And you can always ask me too. Happy to help anybody learn how to you know, get an edge. Uh, and the more you use them, uh, the the more edges you'll find. Uh, sibling statistics and, and breeding statistics, uh, trainer uh, angles, uh, and then just the performance figures themselves. There's so much value in what Jerry puts into the Thurograph package. Well, thanks, Steve. And also, um, I do get uh, a pretty substantial volume of people who just email me directly at Thurograph. It's easy to remember, Jeff at Thurograph.com. And it's not um, in any way an inconvenience 
to take questions from from the audience. In fact, it's it, it's just a joy. As I've said before, you guys ask incredibly pertinent questions, and so uh, please keep them coming. Jeff Franklin, everybody, crafty JF. Thanks, Jeff. Take care. Until next week. You got it. Jeff Franklin, everybody. Going to uh, talk to Rich Ang now. Let me get Rich. In fact, I just heard back from Rich, uh, so we can get him on here. And, you know, for those that for those that were around uh, late in the uh, conversations uh, on Friday, Rich was very succinct. He uh, he provided uh, he provided the winning side and he provided the uh, the under as well. And uh they both worked. Rich Ang, well done. Hey, thank you, Steve. And, uh, yeah, it was a real good Super Bowl personally for me because uh, the way I bet it, everything was uh, based around Kansas City. And uh, uh, I was able to connect a few dots and uh, do very well. And <laughs> so it was a good Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, to, to bring back bad memory for you, the Super Bowl two years ago, I love the Philadelphia Eagles. I know you're a huge Eagles fan and season ticket holder, but uh, unfortunately they, they came up a little short two years ago, but Kansas City was real good. Patrick Holmes is just unbelievable, isn't he? What, what a great player he is. Uh, uh, there's a stat, uh, and we also need to address uh, what transpired uh, yesterday uh, by Union Station. Uh, just uh, just mind-numbing uh, the the violence uh, yesterday uh, that, that would you know just take away and 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 wash away uh, the you know, the joy and pleasure I lived in Kansas City uh, for close to two years uh, in the eighties. I was there when I was a season ticket holder when the Royals uh, won in eighty five. Uh, they're moving downtown actually, which is interesting. Uh, this yesterday, I. I I mean, I wasn't watching the the stream, but I mean, as the reports started to come in, it's just horrifying and just it just. I don't. What are you supposed to say, Rich? I mean, it's enough. Uh, Vegas, obviously, you 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 know, as a community, you suffered uh, as heinous a, a, an incident as maybe they'll ever be. Um, it's just the, the 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 gun violence in this country. It's an it's an embarrassment. We're an, we're an international embarrassment. Well, I kind of echo your sentiments because, you know, when you compare uh, what's happening in the U.S. with mass killings, it, this doesn't happen in other countries. No other country in the world is like the United States. And, uh, you know, you, you brought back uh, some uh, memories that uh, shed a tear for a lot of Las Vegans in the, uh, when there was the music festival across the street from the Mandalay Bay. And, God forbid some person from uh, one of the upper floors was just shooting down into the crowd like like it was a you know just just awful you know when you think about the, the carnage that he wrecked but uh, you know it's happened over and over again and uh, until uh, you know uh, people decide to do something about it it's just thoughts and prayers which is awful tiresome for sure uh, exactly so and and then the children I mean to have. Eleven children uh, with, with life-threatening. I haven't seen anything yet this morning, uh, but 
uh, you know, 11 children with, with life-threatening injury. It's just sick. It's horrific. Uh, but uh, when it came to, uh, once again, for you, uh, and I don't know if you heard yesterday with Dave Hill's recap, but uh, poor Dave, he sends me, <laughs> we, we were texting back and forth to Rich during the game, and he sends me a screen capture at the end of regulation. He stood to win seven thousand. He was live for seven thousand, <laughs> and uh, then he get then he sends me the screen capture after the game uh, where this, his final tally. He lost five dollars on the day, uh, which was which, which is you know it's funny when as horse players when when you lose when you end up losing like five or ten dollars when you add everything up and you you know. Especially if you're at the racetrack and you're betting on your phone and you're betting live cash, and then you, at the end of the night you, you add up everything and you're like, I, I spent all this time handicapping, I spent all this time working, and I I I I, I lost eleven dollars, or or I won seven dollars. <laughs> there, there, you, 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 you think to yourself, there must have, there must be a more productive way to spend my time, a more profitable way to spend my time. Well, I, I can, uh, you know, clue people in on how I bet the game. Uh, not that the way I bet is for everybody, but it was the way, um, I, you know, I, I've kind of actually taken some of my horse racing knowledge and experience and, and put it into sports betting. And the reason I say that, Steve, is like when I bet horses, uh, I try to, to manufacture bets where I can be uh, mostly right but still cash if I'm a little bit wrong, you know, in a sense that uh, I, I don't like take a firm stand on a horse and it's either uh, win or lose. You know, there, there's gray areas where I can still cash tickets uh, if my horse runs well. Well, it, it, when I bet football, in a lot of ways, uh, I utilize uh, money lines and teasers in the same uh, sense in the fact that I can be almost right. And still cash, and so right. the way I attacked, so the way I attacked the Super Bowl, Steve, was uh, my biggest bet on the game was a teaser. It was a six-point teaser. I teased Kansas City up from two and a half to uh, plus eight and a half, and I teased the total down from forty-seven and a half down to forty-one and a half. Now, uh, in all candor, I was in some jeopardy at uh, one point with that bet because it was nineteen nineteen, and there was a possibility. Uh, the game would not go over 41 and a half if someone had kicked a field goal and the other side didn't do anything. It would have been 22-19, which is 41 points. I would have lost that bet by a half a point, but it, it turned out uh, pretty well with, with Kansas City getting a touchdown. So I hit that. And then during the week, um, I was shopping for price. I, I didn't think the price was going to ever get to three. But when I saw two and a halves, uh, what I was doing, I bought some, uh, uh, the half a point to three. And then also I took advantage of what they call the alternate line. Uh, in other words, there were point spreads. Uh, the line was minus two at most places, but you could, they, they offered different odds for two and a half, three, three and a half, four, you know, so on and so forth. And they're all priced differently. So I was buying a lot of Kansas City tickets on the alternate line at uh, plus three and a half. I was laying like a dollar fifty cents juice. So it was kind of like betting on a short price favorite. But I thought with the plus three and a half, I felt pretty confident it was going to be a real tight game. And if the 49ers did win by three points, uh, I would have cashed all those tickets. So, you know, I, I gave myself some wiggle room and it turns out everything that I bet actually came in. So uh, I'll pat myself on the back one time uh, because it's, it, 
gambling is tough as we know betting on horses or sports but at least for one day i was right well and uh i guess uh, what's the word on the casinos uh, dave talked about it uh, they they needed they they would have preferred uh, a san francisco win obviously um and then when it came to the I saw I saw there was some push I guess on on the uh on the over uh, under um it is amazing it, it obviously we had an overtime and and we had 10 points scored in overtime but it it is it is amazing how how, how adept the the line maker uh, forget about the the point side the the over under amazes me how how more in the NFL than anywhere else the the accuracy of the of the over under number is is remarkable. Yeah, you know, and that's been the case for you know I've been in Vegas since 1998 and had a chance to you know take a look at their the, the bookmakers' activity and you know they they obviously do power ratings and it's with all sports whether it's a basketball, football, hockey, baseball they do power ratings on the teams. And now with the advent of more analytics and algorithms, I mean, their, their numbers are just so tight. And, uh, you know, I did a radio show during the week talking about the Super Bowl, and I was actually attacking uh, uh, an angle of betting on the final score, you know, how many points the Chiefs would score, how many points the 49ers would score. And I, and I told the audience, if you think 47 and a half is an accurate uh, total, then you have to kind of assume – that both teams will score in the twenties. And so there's lots of numbers you could kind of, kind of play like roulette that were playing, that were paying 10, 15, 20, 25 to one. And if you just spread them out a little bit, you could actually cash a nice ticket. So the final score 25, 22 actually, uh, was right in the sweet spot if people had kind of spread a little bit in the twenties for both teams. Good job, Rich. Uh, and we've, we, we say it. We say it at, at this time of year, Super Bowl time, and we say it as well at uh, uh, during uh, March Madness. Uh, Rich, not only not only a well honed uh, racing opinion, but outstanding sport opinion. Uh, Rich, I appreciate it, and of course, uh, betting on horse racing for dummies, and uh, you know those if you've got uh, you've got neophyte players and fledgling uh, <laughs> players get them get them a copy of rich's book uh version two second edition and uh racedaylasvegas.com for rich's uh, southern california opinions and uh, some big weekends uh, on the horizon at uh, santa anita too rich yeah and uh, steve I'll, I'll leave with this note because whenever you talk about uh, future bets i remember when you were out in vegas for the nhc and uh, it was the year the Cincinnati Bengals uh, won the AFC over Kansas City, went to the Super Bowl. That was one of uh, my bigger wins because I had the Bengals That's in the right. future book. That's right. For both. I would have liked if they had won the Super Bowl against the Rams, but I, I did pretty good on the AFC when they upset the Chiefs. <laughs> uh, Rich, Rich has got Rich, – Rich can see around corners. Rich Ang, everybody. Rich for pro pick. Rich, we'll talk next week. Hey, thanks, Steve. Good luck, everybody. Rich Ang, folks. Live from Vegas send you out into the day uh this was this was fun uh long conversations with dick powell rick waldman how special was that and then uh, win using thoroughgraph with crafty jeff franklin and rich ang good luck if you're playing today uh weekend preview brought to you by twin spires tomorrow lots of fairgrounds action of course 
We'll also get the, the future wager discussion in with KK. We'll probably have both KKs tomorrow, Kevin Kirstein and Kevin Kilroy. Talk to you in the morning, everybody. Thanks.